Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and this episode, as always, is brought to you by Bet Online, where you can use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get your welcome bonus. I want to start off today's podcast a little bit differently, as I think we've all seen what's been going on in the United States over the past week. And... I want to start by reading, explaining a little bit the first part of it and then reading the last section of a statement by Detroit Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey that he released on Saturday. Dwayne Casey, if you don't know, he's been a longtime NBA coach. Before that, he was a college coach in Kentucky. He played at Kentucky and he grew up in rural Kentucky. And and he talked in this statement about how 54 years ago he was – eight years old and he lived in rural rural Kentucky when desegregation was happening how he walked into a white school where and I quote I was not wanted nor welcomed he couldn't record what happened to him because there wasn't that technology then but he remembers how he felt then quote I felt helpless I felt as if I was neither seen nor heard nor understood and Casey has watched what has unfolded across this country over the past few months with the killings of Ahmad Arbery, who is Tracy Walker's cousin in Brunswick, Georgia, of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, and then last week of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And he wondered what's changed from when he was an eight-year-old kid. When he looks at his eight-year-old son now, what can he tell him has changed? How much, as he says in this statement, How much has really changed? The last paragraph, which I'm going to read to you now, and I encourage you to read the entire statement, but here's that last paragraph from Casey, and I quote, We have to change the way we see and hear each other. We have to work together to find solutions to make the justice system just. Black, white, and brown people have to work together to find new answers. The only way we can stop the systemic problems that people of color have faced all our lives is through honesty and transparency. We have to understand why people are at their limit at this moment. It takes empathy in its truest form. It takes a culture shift. It takes action. Let's stop the injustice now. Let's not allow another generation to continue to live in a world where they are treated as unequal. Now is the time for real change. I read Casey's words and I think back to the conversation I had with Tracy Walker three weeks ago about his cousin Ahmad Arbery and the anger and frustration in his voice during our conversation. It stuck with me. I grew up a white guy in the suburbs of New York. I can't understand what it's like to be black in America. I can't understand the experiences that people like Dwayne Casey, like Tracy Walker, have gone through. 
I can't. All I can do is listen. All I can do is try and educate. All I can do is offer support to people I know and people I don't who have gone through things that I could never truly understand. And that's why I want to start out this podcast with those words from Dwayne Casey. Because at this time in America, when we see everything that's going on, I thought that that was very valuable. We'll be back right after this break with some talk about the Detroit Lions. We're going to go through the roster today. We'll talk about roster locks, and we'll talk about some guys that are on the bubble as we near the end of this virtual offseason. We'll be back right after this break. Stick around. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Now, back to our show. So, as I mentioned before the break, we're going to get into the Detroit Lions roster today. It's June 1st. If all goes well when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic, there could be training camp here in a little under two months, potentially, maybe. So, want to just go position by position. I know we did this a little bit about a month ago after the draft, but want to just really kind of dig in a little bit more and look at the Lions roster as it's constructed now. We'll start at quarterback where to me there are two locks Matthew Stafford and Chase Daniel. I think both of them are on the roster barring some sort of injury and they would at that point go to injured reserve. Their their contracts are stated with finances that make it seem like they would be on the roster. The third quarterback David Blau Curious what the Lions do with him. I think he's a bubble guy. I think he ends up on the team's practice squad more likely than not because taking three quarterbacks this year, I don't know if that is something that the Lions would do because they have their backup quarterback in place in Chase Daniel. Looking at running back now, this is... I. It's a question to me only because I don't know if they will keep five running backs and a fullback. They might go four and one, or maybe the fullback is the tight end. We'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, as I construct a 53-man roster in my head, I have five running backs on this 53-man roster. Kerryon Johnson, DeAndre Swift, both of those guys, to me, are locks for this team. Bo Scarborough, I think he has a role. I don't know what that role ends up being long-term, but he has a spot to me right now on this roster. He's a bigger back than the other guys that the Lions have. He's a short yardage guy. He falls forward a lot. And to me, I think that gets him on this team. Jason Huntley was their draft pick this year. And he's really fast. He's really shifty. And frankly, he could be their return guy. And we'll get more into that when we start talking about wide receivers. But I think he ends up winning the return job, and that locks him into the roster. And then there's Ty Johnson, who 
I think has to have a good training camp, but to me, he's maybe, I don't know if he ends up being the last guy making the team. I think he's a bubble guy. I think Huntley's a bubble guy. Bo Scarborough leaning more toward probably safely on the roster, but depending on the situation, you could see scenarios where maybe he's not there. Ty Johnson, to me, the ultimate bubble guy right now on this roster. I think he has to have a good training camp, but I think his combination of size and speed would be attractive to the Lions. The Lions want to run the ball a lot, so and they want to have more of a committee-type running group. So having more backs, a position that, frankly, gets worn down throughout the course of a season, makes more sense to me than not. Wes Hills is the other running back on the roster. I think he's got an uphill challenge right now for a roster spot if Bo Scarborough were to get hurt I think that that would be a role he could fill I don't know if he would beat out Bo Scarborough if both are healthy but he's on this roster he's at least on the 90-man roster right now but to me he's got an uphill climb to make of this team at fullback there's two of them Nick Bodden Luke Sellers Nick Bodden's the incumbent Luke Sellers is the undrafted free agent from South Dakota State I think as long as Nick Bodden is healthy, Nick Bodden makes this team. He's shown when he's been healthy that he can make a difference, that he is a good fullback. He has special teams value. But this, to me, is an open competition. I can see either guy end up making this team. I think the Lions will go with a fullback. And to me, right now, as it stands today, that will be Nick Bodden, but that's a wide-open competition. Then we get to wide receiver. And... This is a very, very crowded group. And we'll start with what we were talking about before with Jason Huntley, right? If he wins the return job, then what does that mean for Jamal Agnew? Because Jamal Agnew is reportedly, and it really seems like it's going to happen, making the conversion from defensive back to wide receiver. To me, that's a tough conversion to make, especially this year because you don't have the spring be really curious to see what he's been doing to work on that. He's an X factor when it comes to this. And if he wins the return job, then I think he could end up pushing out, say, a Geronimo Allison from the roster. Or the Lions would, say, go four at running back and six at receiver. So that could be something to watch as well. Other than that, we know who the locks are. There are three of them to me definitively. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola. Don't need to really discuss them. Obviously, Kenny Galladay and a contract extension are one of the bigger questions still as we head into the summer. Quintez Cephas, the rookie out of Wisconsin, probably makes the team, probably ends up being the number four receiver. I say that as much because of the contract situations of everybody else. He could end up being the replacement for Danny Amendola or Marvin Jones because both of them are in contract years. Marvin Jones could, depending on the right price, get an extension. Danny Amendola, to me, will be a one-year deal guy, however much longer he wants to play. And obviously the Lions love him, and Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn love him. So he's here in Detroit, but maybe Cephas ends up being his eventual replacement. I think he ends up being on the roster. Then, to me, there's one or two roster spots left. As we were talking about, if there is... A spot for a returner out of this receiver core. That's probably Jamal Agnew, and maybe that bumps this number to six. Otherwise, I think there's one spot that they're that a bunch of guys are fighting for. Travis Fulham, pretty good on special teams. Maybe he gets there. He, to me, is a bubble guy. Geronimo Allison, who the Lions signed in free agency, 
played in Green Bay. He's got more receiving experience. Maybe he ends up being the guy. Victor Bolden's a really fast guy. Jeremy Davis is a highly skilled special teams player. Marvin Hall was obviously on the team last year. We all know what he can do. He's a deep threat that can go for 60 at any time, but there are definitely questions about how he runs the route tree. Chris Lacey has been a stalwart on the back end of the roster and on the practice squad for a few years. Does he make that leap? So I think it's a wide open competition here for maybe receiver spots five and six, if there's a six, because then there's Agnew as well. And maybe Agnew shines in training camp and it becomes not even a question because Agnew becomes a special teams value play. And then, yeah, they go six or they go five. So I don't know. I mean, Tom Kennedy to me right now, I think he would be the biggest long shot of the receivers, but it would not shock me if he ends up on their practice squad again as they continue to develop him. Remember, he's pretty raw as he was a lacrosse player at Bryant, and they have some time to develop him. It's going to be an interesting competition for the back-end receiver spots because we know who the starters are. Right now, I would give the edge to Geronimo Allison, but... That is literally a coin flip of like a 15-sided coin at this point. At tight end, I think two guys are locked in. That's TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James. Hawkinson for obvious reasons, and the Lions are expecting a big bump out of him here in year two as he is coming off of an injury as long as he's healthy. Then there's Jesse James. Right to me right now, if Jesse James's contract wasn't as it were with $2.55 million of his salary guaranteed this year I think he would be a guy that would really potentially be a roster cut now the Lions have a lot of cap space so maybe if they really don't like what they see from Jesse James maybe they would consider moving on but uh, right now June 1st I see Jesse James on this team that third tight end spot and maybe they go for it tight end again so much of this between running back fullback receiver tight end is all fluid based off of how they want to construct the roster this year the three and four tight end spots to me are pretty open. Hunter Bryant, who's an undrafted free agent, might be the guy who has the best shot as a, as a UDFA to make this team, especially considering there is no spring workouts, and we'll see what training camp ends up looking like. But he's a skilled pass catcher out of Washington, and he's a guy that I think could end up making this roster. His biggest competition would be Isaac Nada, the seventh round pick last year. Nada's a little bit of a different tight end than Bryant. So it could be an Isaac Nada or Nick Bodden or Luke Sellers situation as well, because Nada can move into that fullback role. He's more of a move tight end in that aspect. So that's one to watch too for Isaac Nada, both in competition at tight end and also with the fullbacks to see where he fits. Matt Sokol right now, Long shot to me to make the team, but hey, that's why I have training camp. But this position, to me, it's that Hunter Bryant, Isaac Nauta spot, and maybe an outside shot of what happens with Jesse James. TJ Hawkinson, in my opinion, the only lock on this roster, and Jesse James close to it, but everything else is a pretty big competition. Going to the offensive line, I... It's wide open in some aspects. We know Taylor Decker will be on this team, and as Taylor Decker said last week, they're starting to talk about contract negotiations, but we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it's still pretty early on for him there, and he said, made it sound at least, that it was very, very preliminary at this point. 
Hal Vitae, the Lions signed in free agency. He's on this team. Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg as guards. They were high draft picks. Jonah Jackson, definitely on this team. Logan Stenberg should be on this team, barring something crazy happening, although he's more to me of a project than Jonah Jackson. Frank Ragnow, obviously a lock to be on this roster. He might be one of the best centers in football. After that is where it gets a little bit tricky. Terrell, Terrell Crosby kind of lives to me in a spot of probably on this team, more than likely on this team. He's their swing tackle. They like him in that role. He can play left tackle or right tackle if they need him to in a pinch. So he's probably on this roster as well. But what happens at guard? That is the biggest question because I think it could shape the depth of the Lions offensive line, right? Like, if Joe Dahl wins the job, which he was a starter last year, then Joe Dahl is obviously on the team. If he doesn't, do the Lions stick with him as a veteran option? Well, that could depend on who wins the guard spots. If it's Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg, you're probably keeping A, more offensive linemen because you're going to have two rookies at guard, and B, you're almost definitely keeping Joe Dahl because he has that starting experience. If Say it's Jonah Jackson and Kenny Wiggins who win the jobs. Well, I don't know what you do with Joe Dahl then. You probably are still keeping Joe Dahl on the roster. He's not to me as big of a lock as Tyrell Crosby, but he's somebody who I think ends up on this team. And then you've got Kenny Wiggins and Odea Boucher. Those guys are bubble guys, but I think that they end up on the right side of the bubble for now. To me, this is a year where there could be more veteran guys, more guys who understand the system that are on this team because there was no spring, because we don't know what camp is going to look like. The Lions did bring both of them back, so they at least believe in both of them enough to have them on their roster again, where they've revamped other positions entirely. So I right now, if it were up to me, I would... Say Kenny Wiggins and Ode Abouche both end up on this team. Some of the tougher cuts for me would be, and I think these are true bubble guys and can go either way. You got Russell Bodine, you got Bo Benchwall at the interior of the offensive line. Don't forget about Joshua Garnett as well. I just think that there's so much that we don't know about what Joshua Garnett has left because injuries have been such a problem for him. If he ends up healthy, then who knows? Maybe he ends up being the starter, and that throws everything out of whack. So that's something to watch there on the interior of the offensive line. I think that there are probably three spots that six guys are going to be competing for, and it's going to be really, really interesting, including, frankly, at least one, if not both, starting spots at guard. And then at tackle... I, I, I'll be curious to see what the Lions do at tackle. Do they keep four tackles? If they keep Kenny Wiggins, do they feel comfortable enough with him or with Joe Dahl even at tackle in a pinch? Because both of those guys have played out there before, either in college or in the NFL. Or do they keep a guy like Dan Skipper, who they have brought back a couple of times, and he is a massive human being. And, may, and he's a guy that, yeah, if he's your fourth tackle, okay. That's fine. You're probably not making him active on game days. But you have a guy that at least understands the system in a pinch. So, again, depends on roster construction. Depends on injuries. Depends what the Lions deem as more important this year, especially because we don't know what shape these guys are going to come in with at the start of training camp. And that could play a role, too. You know, if you don't feel great about a certain position, 
based off of what's happened in the virtual spring and then at the start of camp, you might keep more guys there. Or this is a spot, too, where you could see a trade, to me, maybe for a guard or for a backup tackle that could shake things up as well. And I'm talking like a late camp train, late training camp trade here. Switching over to defense, the defensive line, there are a few locks. Trey Flowers, lock. Julian Oquara, lock. Deshaun Hand, to me, a lock. Danny Shelton, lock. Nick Williams, based off of what they're paying him, lock. Romeo Aquara, probably close to a lock at this point, based off if you look at who else is on the roster. Now, where that could get interesting is if the Lions make a bunch of moves on the defensive line, sign some veterans, make a trade or two, then we'll see what happens. But I think Romeo Aquara ends up on this team and, and ends up playing a lot, could even end up as a starter. What happens beyond that? John Piacini, sixth-round pick. I think he ends up being somebody who contributes on the defensive line. Maybe he doesn't play right away, play a ton right away, but I think he ends up contributing. Then there's Austin Bryant, fourth-round pick last year. Obviously injured, barely played. What does he look like? What do the Lions expect out of him? If the Lions can get a lot out of him, that could make their defensive line fairly deep and that can be exciting. He's an X-Factor player like we were talking a little bit on the offense with Jamal Agnew. He's an X-Factor player for me because if Austin Bryant, say, gets hurt again or, or doesn't really work out, Bob Quinn has shown in the past he has no problem moving on from picks fairly quickly if he doesn't think they're working out. And, you know, obviously Tease Tabor is an example of that. But you look back at guys like, I mean, Brad Kaya, even – guys like Jeremiah Ledbetter. Sure, those are late round dart throw type guys, but Michael Roberts, the tight end, he's he didn't last all that long in Detroit. So Bob Quinn's shown that he's willing to do that in the past. So Austin Bryant probably needs to show something this camp, but maybe he gets the benefit of the doubt because of the injury. And again, this is a spot where experience might win out, especially early in the year. And and we'll see what happens. Jashawn Cornell, to me, on the roster bubble, him and John Piacini might be competing for one spot, but maybe they go with two. Maybe they go deeper at the defensive line on the interior this year. Kevin Strong won a job as a UDFA, got hurt, but the Lions really liked him last year, so maybe he's able to push ahead of both of those guys, and then it makes both Piacini and Cornell go to the practice squad, or... Maybe they go heavier on the defensive line than the eight I have them at right at this moment. Going to linebacker, Jamie Collins, lock. Jelani Tavai, lock. Jared Davis, lock. Christian Jones, probably a lock. So what does that mean beyond that? Well, what's going to happen with Jared Davis down the road is a different story. We've talked about that a little bit on other episodes, and I'm sure we'll get into it again as things go in the summer and as the season goes on. But what happens with Reggie Ragland, Elijah Lee? They were both free agent signings. Jalen Reeves-Mabin, he's in a contract year. He's a special teams dynamo for the Lions. What do they do there with maybe those three guys, right? Like those, to me, are some questions. Sure, there are other, some other guys that could push for a spot. Jason Cabinda showed some special teams capability. And they have Anthony Pittman, who they kept on practice squad all year last year. Maybe he goes back to practice squad this year. Christian Sam's another linebacker on this team. So I think that you're looking at maybe 
four guys for two spots. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But Reggie Ragland is an intriguing guy to me because he's a very good run stopper. He's similar to Jared Davis. So I think it depends on how the Lions use Jared Davis this year. And they've been coy with that. Jared Davis has been coy with that. And Jared Davis has admitted, listen, he needs to get better. He needs to improve. He's a hard worker. We'll, we'll see how much that hard work pays off here in 2020. Going to cornerback. Desmond Trufant, lock. Jeff Okuda, lock. Justin Coleman, lock. Amani Awarie, lock. What happens after that? Well, Jamal Agnew could have been in this conversation, but now he's a wide receiver. So that tells you that they feel better about other guys that they have right now on their roster. To me, Mike Ford is a guy that needs to take a little bit of a leap, but I look at the corners they have in as far as depth goes, and... He Mike Ford plays special teams. He has a role there. He's shown he can be capable as a backup quarterback, backup cornerback. You know, you don't want him starting every week. And based off of the top four you have, you shouldn't need him to play much defense at all. But you do need him as a special teams player. And he's a guy that can come in as a fifth corner in a pinch and play defense and hold his own. D Virgin to me. He's pro- he's on this team as well. He's a very valuable special teams player. He's a very good gunner, and that's going to be even more important with a new punter. Like That's the other thing to consider here when you're looking at guys like Mike Ford. You're looking at guys like D. Virgin. You're looking at guys like Jalen Reeves-Mabin is that you're going to have a new punter back there. Sam Martin, you knew what you were getting from him most of the time, right? On, punk, on punts. You're going to have either a guy who was on your practice squad last year in Fox, or you're going to have a rookie from Australia out of Auburn in Sipos, that one of those guys is going to be the punter. You don't know exactly what you've got there yet. So I think that you're going to see some higher quality special teams guys where maybe some of them overlap. They might keep more of them because they need that coverage unit to be spectacular. And, the Lions have always shown a value in special teams. So I think Ford and Virgin both make this team. But listen, there are a lot of other cornerbacks on this roster that could make a shot. Tony McRae is a Braden Coombs guy. He came from Cincinnati. So, yeah, I think that it's entirely possible that Tony McRae makes this team, maybe instead of D. Virgin or Mike Ford. Daryl Roberts signed from the Jets. He has some experience. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there, there's Mike Jackson ended up on this team, stuck around for about half of last season, the back half of last year. So I look at this and I say, okay, what what are you looking at here with your depth corners? What do you want? How much special teams value versus maybe some on, practical on-field play for defense? Who do you feel like you can go to in a pinch? Because corner, let's be honest, like running back is a position where injuries are going to happen. We've seen it over and over and over again. Injuries are going to happen at this position. It's just a certainty in the NFL. And you know you have to know that you feel decent about the depth that you have. So, again, I look at what some people have said as far as Matt Patricia, as Bob Quinn, looking at experience this year, knowing what this offseason has been like and not been like. And to me, experience might win out. So that's what I'm looking at at corner. But again, wide open. Safety, Tracy Walker, lock. Deron Harmon, lock. Will Harris, probably a lock at this point. 
Then after that, I think, again, it's open. You've got Miles Killebrew, who re-signed with the Lions. He's spe- he's maybe their best special teams player. He's incredibly valuable. They love him there. He also offers some position versatility. You can play him in a pinch at linebacker. You can play him in a pinch at safety. That is versatility. Matt Patricia values versatility. I think it's why Miles Killebrew ends up on this team. And then there's J. Ron Curse. Sure, they might have overlapping skills, and they might have an overlapping role, but when it comes to special teams, guys, that's not the end-all, be-all, worst thing in the world. Lion signed J. Ron Curse. He's built so well that, yeah, I think that he both Killebrew and Curse could end up on this team. So what does that mean? Well, it means that C.J. Moore right now, I think, on the roster bubble, but he could easily beat out Killebrew or Curse for a job. There's no doubt about that. He showed value on special teams last year as well. He showed some value and some skill at safety when he got in the game. Then there are a couple, a trio of undrafted free agents, which to me says that both agents, players, and the Lions see this as a spot where they can try to maybe add some depth and aren't totally comfortable with the depth they have. They have Jeremiah Dinson, Jalen Elliott. And Bobby Price as safeties. Jalen Elliott's going to be one to watch. He obviously played major college football. So did Jeremiah Dinson. But Jalen Elliott could be a guy that ends up surprising and ends up pushing his way onto this roster. Just something to consider here as we go along once training camp starts. Then there is the specialist. Usually this takes about 2.5 seconds of any roster prediction and of any sort of chatter about it. Matt Prater, lock, lock him in. You know what you're getting. Most One of the most consistent kickers in the NFL. There is a competition at punter for the first time since Sam Martin was drafted in 2013. We've got two guys there. Obviously, the Lions cut Matt Weil after they signed Aaron Sippos. So you've got Aaron Sippos, who I wrote about. I guess it was like a week and a half ago now. I wrote about his journey from being a professional player in the Australian league playing footy Aussie rules football he went to pro kick Australia learned how to kick more of the American American style then he went to Auburn and then he went undrafted he was hoping to get drafted he thought there was maybe a chance but he targeted Detroit as one of the three teams that he was looking at because he saw a chance to possibly win the job to do that he'll have to beat out Jack Fox who's from Rice and Jack Fox was on the practice squad a good chunk of last season it's going to be interesting because we don't know how Braden Coombs is going to handle the punter situation. He's a new coordinator, so it's not like the experience that Fox has on the practice squad last year with John Bonamago is really going to carry over all that much. It's not like he got into a game. It's not like he's played a lot in any stretch of the imagination. He has not. So it's going to be a new punter regardless. Now, here's the interesting quirk. What do the Lions want to do there? Like, if they want to go young for sure, then Fox is probably the guy. Because Fox is 23, and while Sipos may be a rookie, he's also 27. It'll be 28 by the end of the season. But Sipos is actually more experienced and has more professional experience than in, in sports than a lot of guys on the Lions roster now because he was a pro footballer in Australia. He has that mindset. He understands that work ethic. He understands what it takes to be a pro. And frankly, had his labrum in his left shoulder not torn three times in 18 months, he probably wouldn't be over here right now. He would probably be finishing up or still playing in the AFL. 
He was playing for St. Kilda for a while. He told me when we talked for that story that when he tore the labrum his third time during a practice, that he knew his AFL career was over because he was going to get delisted. He tried to still play. He tried to we went tried to go the semi-pro route to get back onto a team. That That's kind of how it goes over in the AFL in Australia. And it just didn't happen for him, so he went this route. He, to me, I think he wins the job. I because I go back to experience, right? And neither one of these guys has experience, but Aaron has professional experience. He will come in right away and will totally understand exactly what is being asked of him. And also, like we've talked about with other positions, he has versatility as well, not in positions, but he can roll out and give you more of an Aussie-style punt. He can give you a straight-back spiral punt, which we typically see in the NFL. He gives the special teams possibly a few more options here and there in the types and variations of punts that they can bring and that maybe that makes a difference but it's going to come down to the numbers it's going to come down to performance and it's frankly a wide open competition the way that I see it long snapper Don Muehlbach should have that job to me he's like a 99.99% lock obviously the Lions do have another long snapper in camp Stephen Wartell and that, to me, at least signals that there could be some competition. Now, maybe he ends up being on the practice squad for a year and then ends up because Don Mielbach was not a guarantee to come back this year, as we all know. I remember talking to Don at the end of last season, and he said, listen, he's going to go and talk to his wife and think about it. I mean, Don Mielbach's played 17 years in the NFL. At this point, it's going to be a year-to-year thing with him for the rest of his career. And yeah, I mean, I think if he wants to play, I think he's the guy. You don't want to mess with the operation too much when it comes to specialists. You don't want to give Matt Prater both a new holder and a new snapper. That can cause some issues. You don't necessarily want a new snapper and a new punter in the same year because that could cause some issues. And if you're the Lions in a year like where you have to win them and you have to win early, you just don't want that sort of stuff to get messed up. And, you know, when you heard Matt Prater on the podcast, he talked about how, you know, like they used to get together before camp, and he's not sure they're going to be able to do that. We we just don't know the answer to those questions. And they certainly weren't able to work out together in the spring. And building that chemistry, building that camaraderie matters in that spot. So I think that you that's where you are with the specialists, it's going to be a lot of back-end roster spots. I think there is really only one or two starting spots up for grab, not including punter or anything like that. As far as offense and defense goes, to me, it's both guard spots. And it's maybe one of the spots on either the defensive line or at linebacker. That's, to me, where there are going to be possibilities to start. And I'm not counting running back in that either because I think – you're going to see a lot of on Johnson and a lot of DeAndre Swift and quote-unquote starting there might not matter as much because it's going to be about workload and about carries. So hopefully you learned something out of this podcast. As always, want to thank my sponsors uh, for this podcast, Bet Online. I want to thank Blue Wire and Regions Field for hosting this podcast each and every episode. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein, at Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist, and... Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you again on Thursday. 
This is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.